Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This your 950 KJR Sports Headlines. Yeah, boys and girls, here we go. Happy Tuesday. Headlines are brought to you, of course, by our friends at VenueKings.com. A freaking miserable night in the Cappuccino capital. Yeah, looking for tickets for the Kraken, the Climate Pledge Arena, concerts, Husky basketball, whatever, Seahawks, still a couple of home games left. Jump on the web, VenueKings.com. Be sure and use code SOFTY at checkout for a discount. Well, NBA history has been made in New York. Here's Curry for the record. It's good! Steph Curry passing former Sonic Ray Allen as the NBA's all-time three-point made leader, 2,974. One better as of right now than Ray Allen's 2,973, but he did it in 511 less games than Ray Allen did. After one in New York, Warriors and Knicks are tied at 24. I remember thinking he was... Too skinny and too small to succeed in the NBA. Well, you would have been I wrong. Just nailed about that all one. of that. Nailed. Former Indiana quarterback Michael Penix Jr. committing to the UW and his former OC Kalen DeBoer. Penix set a school record for completion percentage in 2019 at 69% wow. for the Hoosiers. And Pete Thamel reporting that former Indiana OC Nick Sheridan expected to join Washington staff as tight ends coach. you got to give me a second to get the drop in there. 69. <laughs> uh, OJ Simpson is now officially a free man. He's been on parole, but he was discharged from parole today, effective December the 1st. He's been living in Vegas, playing golf, and tweeting. (laughs) Yes, he has. And playing (laughs) fantasy football, because he always tweets about his team. Tonight's Hurricanes wild game has been postponed due to four additional positives on the Canes roster. There we go. You don't say. It's already begun. NCAA football. Chase Garber is from Cal, declaring for the NFL draft. And Clay Millen, son of Hugh and Michelle and brother of Kale, is leaving Colorado State. Excuse me, Nevada. To go to Colorado State with Jay Norvell, who left Nevada to be the Rams' new head coach in Fort Collins, Colorado. So it's funny you mentioned your take there on Steph Curry when he got drafted. He thought he was not going to work out in the NBA. Just not strong enough. Yeah. I'd get beat up. Right. I think we should go around the room and because it is the holiday season. Mm-hmm. It's you know, time of honesty and giving and all that whatever crap. Uh, <laughs> l- let's, let's give our worst sports take okay. that we've had, either privately or publicly. Our worst sports oh, take. Could have been something know. on the air. Could have been something just between friends. Like maybe, Jackson, you got drunk with your soccer buddies oh, and, yeah. and said something that. like, you know, that Clint Dempsey's never going to work out. Well, well I, didn't he say Pele's not a top five player? You did time? say that. Well, did. <laughs> you did say that. You did say that. <laughs> Originally, <laughs> you said that. Initially, and then I reworked the list and he uh-huh. came in at number four. Okay, but it came out of your mouth. Uh, yeah. It did. And you tried to stuck. Yeah. Uh, and you couldn't cut it off. It was thinking. like a fire hydrant. All right, so worst sports take. You thought Steph Curry was going to be a bust. Yeah, but that's not even my worst one, I don't think. Because <laughs> the one that wait, I... Wait, it's something worse than that? Because, well, because I don't know if I ever said that on the air. I, oh, I, I don't okay. think I ever just... Because okay. when would I have yeah. ever talked about Steph Curry necessarily on the air? Right. When he was at Davidson or what have you. Uh, I vividly remember on a Saturday after a Seahawks season, probably 2002-ish, okay. I said, hey... 
Matt Hasselbeck might work someplace else, but he's never going to work here. Stupid idiot! I remember vividly. I was like, hey, you know, he's fine and all, but he's never going to make it here. We should just move on and find a new quarterback. Stupid idiot! And then he just went to like... Five yeah. playoffs, yeah. Uh, six in the Super Went Bowl. Went to a Super Bowl three years later, <laughs> yeah, exactly. engineered the number one offense in football in 2005 and is now in the ring of honor. <laughs> exactly. Okay. That was a hell of a take. So that's the worst one ever? The one that I saw okay. in the air that really All sticks right. at me for right. 20 years. Jackson, yes. I've, had some, I've had some really bad predictions, but I think my worst take was when I actually called. I was a, a junior in high school. I called into the Gas Man show here, and I told him that Jim Mora was going to lead the Seahawks back to the promised land. And he was stupid the guy idiot. who was going to take the Seahawks back to the Super Bowl. He was the right guy for the job. Stupid Whoops. idiot! <sighs> I remember okay. being on air with Gas saying that. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I really wanted him as a Husky coach. I'll tell yeah. you that. Oh, I did too. I really wanted. I did too. Husky coach twice. He, he had a, he had a, he had a chance twice to take the job. Uh, I mean, I've got two of them for me that were just horrible, and I'm sure there's more. If somebody wants to remind me or Dick of, I'm anyone. sure there are people out there that would be happy to do that. <laughs> I bet the you line. there's a guy out there just tracking this stuff, right? <laughs> somebody. <laughs> who does not work at all, who probably lives in somebody's basement, yep. massive distrust of the government, <laughs> and just keeps an eye on all this stuff and yeah. likely listens to our show through a transistor radio. Yep. You know what I'm talking yep. about? When's the last time he took a shower? Yeah, it's been months. That, that <laughs> kind of guy. 2009. Has multiple <laughs> fake ID cards, all that kind of stuff, right? Doesn't eat anything that he can't kill himself, right, <laughs> whatever, and keeps track of this stuff. So if somebody is out there that wants to pass that along, that's fine. I remember endorsing Tyron Willingham to come back after the 2007 season. You stupid idiot! And yeah. they went 0-12 the next year. And then I remember after the 99 season going on the air saying Lou Pinella should be fired, and two years later they set the all-time wins Ooh, record. Yeah. You stupid idiot! So those are oh, that's much worse than Hasselbeck. (laughs) Much worse than Hasselbeck. Those those are two that absolutely stand out. So I I would love to get this in honor of uh, Dick uh, just completely whiffing on uh, on Steph Curry uh, because you brought it up. I'm not going to pick on you, but Steph Curry set the all time three point made record today uh, in New York against the Knicks. Text us to four nine four five one your worst sports takes of all time, and we'll read a couple on the air. Uh, The two oh six just came through. My favorite, apparently, our friend Elise Woodward. And this could be bogus. She's not here to defend herself, so who knows. Said on air that Brandon Roy would not make it in the NBA because of his size. Too small for a forward, Mm, too big for a guard. Stupid idiot. Now, look, he he eventually did not pan out because he got hurt Mm because his knees were a mess. But don't, don't you think if Brandon Roy had stayed healthy, he would have been on his way to a Hall of Fame career in Portland? He yes. would have averaged 25 points a game for a decade down he there. Would have. Don't you he think? Would have. Uh, here are three names, by the way. Okay. Just back to Steph Curry real quick. Okay. Three names drafted ahead of Steph Curry with GMs that probably had the same fears that I did that uh, he wasn't big and strong no. enough. Number two pick in the draft, Hashim Tabit from UConn. Number four, Tyreek Evans from Memphis. You're a stupid idiot. Number six, Johnny Flynn from wow. Syracuse. You're a stupid Selected idiot. ahead of Steph Curry. Okay, uh, let's see. This one says, Fans said we need to wait and see on Donovan. Worst take ever. You're a stupid idiot. <laughs> I didn't say that. I, did I say said that. that too. Yeah, I said that. I said that too. I mean, look, when they hired the guy, all of us were like, huh? Right? We're kind of like raising an eyebrow. Okay, well, this seems a little odd, but I guess you see what happens. You give yeah. it a chance and... 
Maybe he did not. I don't think John Donovan got nearly the slack that other coaches would have gotten. Don't you think? No way. Like if John Donovan was an already established offensive coordinator. Uh, oh, he'd had still have the job. Massive success at other schools and just didn't have the talent. You know, if if John Donovan, like give me the name of an offensive coordinator that's had great success in, in college, college football. Mark Helfrich. Anybody. Okay, fine. Helfrich, Steve Sarkeesian, whatever. And they come here and they have the same kind of run, the same kind of year and a half run that uh, John Donovan just had. You know what we would have said? We would have said, man, this guy's got no quarterback. Yeah. He needs a quarterback. This player's this problem. Right. Yeah. But because John Donovan had done nothing in his career except for a couple of decent years at Vanderbilt, and the offense was getting mm-hmm. progressively worse, nobody bothered to allow the quarterback to be the guinea pig for John Donovan. And he did not have a quarterback. Because all we did is sit here all year long and talk about how awful the UW quarterback room was, yet you fired the offensive coordinator. How bad? This is the point. How bad do you have to be as an offensive coordinator to get fired when you don't even have a quarterback on your roster to begin with? And it's not his fault. That's right. I just got here. But I do, I do remember vividly a tweet that you sent out at halftime early in the season, and you said the Husky offense had scored 10 total points, I believe it was, in the last three first halves combined. Yeah. And I just thought, wow, he can't game plan. Right. Like, he can't get his offense ready to face an opponent. 10 total points in three first halves? That's unbelievable. Yeah. No, that was, was my first red flag. I was like, oh, yeah. boy. Well, the guy just had – I mean, he had no quarterback. And if he if he had a history, if he had some data behind him to show that he could do it, then maybe we would have given the guy a pass. So, let's see. What else? Uh, two five three. <laughs> when LeBron was drafted, I thought he'd be just average – a slasher who could not shoot well, like a Kendall Gill type. Ooh, Kendall Gill. Wow. Great poll. Okay, how so about this? was this? you that thought that, maybe? No, I'm reading off the text line. Oh, these are texters' no. thoughts. Yeah, I never thought that. Okay, I thought LeBron you. was going to be the best player in the history of the NBA. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought he'd be good, but not <laughs> that good. I mean, who thinks a guy's going to be that good, right? right? Right. I thought, this is 206, I thought Greg Oden was a better pick than Kevin Durant. It was stupid. There's a lot of people yep. that thought that. Well, the Blazers thought yeah, that. Blazers uh, 425, <laughs> uh, let's see. I posted on social media the Seahawks were idiots to start Wilson over Flynn. I was furious. You stupid idiot. Uh, let's see. 253. This guy says, I remember promising to eat a microphone if Russell Wilson ever panned out. Ooh. I didn't know that you had like the text Millen's line. number. Wait, is that, Q, is that a 425? No, it's a 253. <laughs> Softy's take on the Pete Carroll hire, says Ben. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a horrible hire. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why we did an entire apology show on the air after the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. We did four hours of literally getting on our hands and knees. My knees are still, uh, you know, uh, rubbed the wrong way from that little show we did <laughs> because I thought it was a bad hire. Didn't you when they hired Pete I Carroll? Was, I was nervous about it. Uh, I don't remember if I thought it was a bad hire or a good hire. I was just like, Wow, it's it was just odd to me. I was like, this is kind of out of left field. That's yeah. kind of what I thought. Yeah, I uh, I remember being at the Husky recruiting press conference, and Jim Mora had been fired, and he was texting me talking about how the Seahawks are going to hire Pete Carroll and how unbelievably dumb that was. He could not believe he was fired to make way for Pete Carroll. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And I remember Jim actually came on the show with me and Hugh back in the old building and this is back when Comcast was carrying the 10 to 1 show on TV. And Jim, you know, kind of, we were talking about people breaking the rules in football. And Jim kind of leaned over and said, Pete Carroll breaks the rules. And it was right over the air. Like he had no idea that people could hear him when he moved away from his microphone. So he thought, he, he couldn't believe it. He could not believe that he was fired to make way for Pete Carroll. So, yeah, I have no problem admitting it, that I thought Pete Carroll getting hired was a, a massive mistake. I mean, before Pete Carroll came in, there was only really one guy in the history of the NFL who had that kind of success in college, and that was Jimmy Johnson, right? I mean, Dick Vermeil went from a Rose Bowl team at mm-hmm. UCLA to making a Super Bowl with Philadelphia, so you probably should include him in that regard, and now he's a Hall of Fame head coach, obviously, which is ridiculous over Holmgren, but it is what it is. But up until Pete Carroll, only Jimmy Johnson had ever won a championship in college and won a championship in pro football. So you were basically asking Pete Carroll to do what only one man had ever done before you in the history of the NFL. How could you rely on that? I remember what my biggest concern was and my biggest kind of optimistic take on Pete Carroll was. My my biggest concern was simply, I'm like, dude, he's a rah-rah guy. How are you going to rah-rah 30-year-old linebackers? They're not going to be yeah. rah rod. That was my biggest concern. Now, and that turns out to be this greatest strength in the NFL, too. Like, he gets yeah. players to play hard every single week, and they're never out of football games. I did love the fact, though, that he had been recruiting NFL-caliber players. This wasn't like a college coach from some mid-Power 5 school. This was a guy that basically could get any high school player he wanted the last five years. So he knew, and that turned out to be, in the first few drafts, very, very helpful because he knew all these guys from when they were 17 years old. I would love to go back and listen to our thoughts the day that Pete Carroll got the job at the VMAC. Do do we have audio back that far? No. 10 years, 11 years? Yeah, we don't have that stuff. We've done done a horrible job here at the radio station of hanging on to stuff like that, to be honest with you. So I think you blame Shockey for that, by the way. But (laughs) I I would love to go back and hear our take on that. Uh, Here's another one. Uh, I remember calling Aaron Curry a future Hall of Famer when we drafted Mm -hmm. him. From Rick and a lot the of people were fired up about Aaron Curry, yep. including uh, me. This guy says, uh, "I thought the Jamal Adams trade was a good idea." From the two hundred six, uh, another drafting Aaron Curry. Uh, let's see. This guy says Leaf over Manning, and this guy said I predicted Rick Meyer would be the next Joe Montana. So a lot of bad takes coming into four nine four five one. I remember the Aaron Curry thing. 
People kept using one word consistently. Safe? Yes. That was safe. the exact word every time. It's like there's no safe way he can pick in the draft. Yep, no way yep. he can be a bust. Like there's, he may not be a pro yep. bowler, but there's no way he'll be a bust. They were talking about Aaron Curry the exact same way that people now are talking about Kyle Pitts, the tight end from the Falcons. Safe. Exact same thing. That he he may not be terrible, or excuse me, a a, a uh, you know elite Hall of Fame, Jimmy Graham, uh, you know, Tony Gonzalez, but he's gonna be a a, a consistent pro. He'll spend 10 years in the NFL. Yep. He'll start every game. He'll lead the league in tackles once every couple of years, make a few Pro Bowls. Bottom line, floor for him is that type of career, and it turned out to be the exact freaking opposite. I don't remember my take on Rick Meyer, to be honest with you. It that was, was 30 years ago. ago. And I'll be honest with you guys as well. I don't know if you guys can do this or not, but I can't. I don't remember everything I say on the air, honestly. I can't remember what I said an hour ago let alone tw- 10 years ago. Like that Sean McVay video, have you seen that, where they're asking him about games? Yeah, he remembers every From play. 15 years ago, yeah. and he's literally quoting what happened on the play, the route, the play that was called, what happened. LeBron I, can do that too. LeBron I can't can do, do that. that for plays 10 years ago. Can yeah. tell you exactly yeah. what happened. Yeah. So you could, you could literally call this show or text this show and tell me that I hated the hire of Chris Peterson and thought he was a bum, and I would believe you because I have no idea what my take is half the time. You get, you get too, there's too many opinions. There's too many stuff yeah. that comes out of your mouth to remember everything you say. I think I for, don't. The, for the big things like Aaron Curry, for example, you know, first-round draft picks and stuff, and big trades, I think I can remember at least not exactly what I said, but at least I, I feel like I got a pretty good handle of how I felt at the time yeah, on those yeah, things. Yeah. And yeah, you look back on them and probably 50% of them were right on and 50% of them were off. So Yeah, how about this? Uh, as a huge Chiefs fan, I was pissed they drafted Patrick Mahomes. I wanted Deshaun Watson. You stupid idiot! Uh, let's see. Uh, I thought the Seahawks made a mistake taking Earl Thomas over Taylor Mays. You stupid idiot! Oh, Remember that? Yeah, Taylor Mays. Okay, yep. bring him home. Yep. Uh, 253 says, that stupid idiot drop is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It hurts my ears. You stupid idiot! All right, John. John Wilner is going to join us coming up next segment. He's pretty high on the Michael Penix Jr. transfer uh, to UW since it's a game changer in the Pac-12 North. He'll explain why he believes that, his thoughts on everything happening down in Eugene with the Dan Lanning hire, and when will UW put together a coaching staff, and should we be concerned as dog fans about what's happening on signing day tomorrow? John Wilner, courtesy of SimplySeattle.com, coming up next on 950 KJR. Radio and podcast you'll love. It's time for our weekly Pac-12 conversation with San Jose Mercury News reporter John Wilner. Brought to you by Simply Seattle. Our friends at SimplySeattle.com have the most amazing collection of all things Seattle. Seahawks gear, UW hats, and the largest selection of Sonics gear anywhere in the world. Learn more at SimplySeattle.com. I would say if you want to bang out your Christmas shopping all in one big hit on the web, go to SimplySeattle.com. Kraken gear. They still have those 25-hour hoodies, and you can give 25 meals to Food Lifeline on the website. So whether Kraken, Sonic, Seahawks, whatever, simplyseattle.com has you covered, and they are shipping within 24 to 36 hours, by the way. Wow. So jump on that right now on the website. They got those cool uh, Kraken sweater hoodies as well that you've got. you got one of those things, right? It's fantastic. They're on the website. Check them out. Very cool. All right, joining us right now on the radio show, our friend from the San Jose Mercury News, John Wilner. How are you, pal? 
I'm good. How are you guys? We're good. So you tweeted today that the Michael Penix Jr. arrival on Montlake is a game changer in the North, to which Cougar fans said, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Uh, explain why the Michael Penix Jr. transfer is big in your mind. Your Duck fans uh, tweeted the same thing, uh, shockingly. Yeah. And and my my reaction was nobody knows what game changer means, right? I mean, it is a uh, he is a, a new element to uh, the North race that could have an impact on how it shapes out. You know, we don't know if he's going to be healthy, right? I'm kind of assuming at this point, nine months till the season, he's going to be reasonably healthy. Uh, but I think the if you just look at how he performed for Kalen DeBoer, what was that, in 2019, yeah. that should give you some indication that there is mm-hmm. potential for him to be a high-level quarterback in the Pac-12. He was one of the, what, 15, 20 best quarterbacks in the country a couple of years ago for DeBoer in, in Bloomington. So it's not unreasonable to think he could be one of the best in the Pac-12 if he stays healthy. And if you give Washington a, you know, a, a top three, top four quarterback, there are probably enough other pieces there for them to be a factor in the North. Well, that's the thing, John. You're right. I mean, it wasn't a severe talent deficit for Washington this year is the reason they went 4-8. and eight. It was play-calling issues, and frankly, it was quarterback issues, and, and hopefully you've gotten both of those fixed within a week. I mean, it could very well be. It could very well and And... Who knows? Who are you going to pick in the North, right? There's nobody, you know, Oregon. We don't know about Oregon, Washington State. Yeah, they look pretty good, but there's no uh, clear favorite in, in my mind at this point. And, you know, Washington would have just as good a shot as anybody if if he gives, gives them high-level quarterback play. And here's the thing. He also creates a bar. Maybe Sam Heward beats him out, but that would be a good thing for Washington because oh, then yeah. you assume that Heward has made big strides. No, I totally agree with you. If he if he ends up beating him out, then that shows you that, you know, just like you said, that Sam has, has made some serious progress. I'm with you a thousand percent on that. But I guess my concern would be if there is a concern, and eventually they'll hire somebody, but he was hired, DeBoer was, John, two weeks ago. Signing day is tomorrow, and the Huskies have two other coaches on the staff right now in Juice Brown, their corners coach, and then um, what's the OC's name? Ryan Grubb. Grubb, yeah. Uh, and well, that's it. There's a report it. that Sheridan's coming. Yeah, too. there's a report they've, they've hired a tight end coach but there really is nobody recruiting for UW right now so should we just kind of look at 2021's recruiting class for now as kind of a lost cause well not if you assume that the 21 recruiting class extends to the first Wednesday of February yeah right I my guess is I mean Oregon uh USC and Washington are almost in the same situation right I think SC's got four guys committed at this point, wow. Oregon's got a couple more. It's six or seven. The, all three schools have a low number of commitments. I would expect them to to do, uh, you know, to add guys in the next three days and then to add a bunch more uh, before February. They're all, I mean, they're all in very similar situations, and that's unfortunate for the Pac-12 because those are the three programs that need to lead, lead the way with recruiting. John, do you think Washington needs to go pedal the metal in the transfer portal or because they have you know, a vast majority of their team coming back that maybe just kind of pick and choose guys that you really think can contribute right away? I mean, I think that they need to be selective at this point. Uh, we don't know who's, who's head of the NFL early. We don't know who's going to transfer out. But 
it's to me it certainly seems like given given the the heavy lean of their roster toward the or the younger classes that you know they need to be real careful that they don't just bring in you know 12 15 guys from the transfer portal and upset the dynamic they mm-hmm. they need to be very very selective i would say and and the quarterback situation is a perfect example of that i i do wonder where you know where this leaves Dylan Morris, right? I mean, it certainly seems like there's a decent chance he's gonna he's yeah. gonna leave. Well, right now he's. I mean, uh, if you're just, I think reading the tea leaves and just logic tells you that he's probably your third stringer as of right now, right? I mean, yeah. he got benched for a guy that started the Apple Cup a year ago, uh, or uh, you know, this last year, and now you got a guy that started 24 games, whatever. So I think as of right now, he's probably your third string guy. But John Wilner with us, uh, John, we haven't talked at all about Oregon hiring Dan Lanning and the way that whole thing came down. What was your take on the hire, first of all? Yeah, I could see why Oregon would be interested in him. Arguably the hottest coordinator uh, in the country this this fall. You know, he's got that SEC pedigree. Uh, there's certainly he's young, energetic, you know, hungry. There's a lot to be said for that. Uh, but at the same time, I think that there's certainly some risk. Even if you're a diehard Duck fan, you you may well no, never mind. Um, <laughs> there's but there's some risk. I think you know. Uh, we don't know. He's never been a head coach. He is getting credited with George, for Georgia's defense, but he's coaching defense. It's got 11 draft picks, right? So it's not, I, I don't, you know, they are loaded on defense. I don't know that that, you, that, definitely, that necessarily transfers to how he would do with a defense that isn't loaded with draft picks. So, and, so there's some risk, you know. I don't think it's a slam dunk that they got it right. Uh, there's Washington had risk with the bore, different risk I think than than Oregon has with Lanning. We'll see how it plays out. Well, and the different risk is the long term viability of the coaching staff. I mean, you could see Kalen DeBoer being here for double digit years, and and you mentioned Lanning being high risk, high reward. Talk a little bit more about. What high reward really looks like because, you know, we're sitting here thinking, well, yeah, if he wins 10 games like Mario three of the next four years, he's just going to leave. So is that really a reward? Well, I mean, if you get him, if he wins the conference title, you know, gets him to the Rose Bowl, gets him in the playoff, I think that is. They've got, you know, they've got a bunch of highly ranked recruiting classes still on that roster. And if he is, you know, if he does a, a good job, you know, on the strategy, and finds, uh, you know, I don't know what his plan is for offense. That's a big question. Um, but, you know, if he gets them to a couple conference titles, that's a, that's a pretty good reward, I would think. At Oregon, it seems content to play the short game, right? To hire guys that they realize may leave in three or four years, but they think can get them uh, competing for, for championships. It's a different approach. Uh, I, I think that, you know, it you could argue that it's a flawed approach, but you could also argue that, that it might work. John, Washington's basketball team has not played a game since November 27th, <laughs> and their next game is on Saturday against Seattle U. That means they're going to go well over three weeks without playing a basketball game right in the middle of the season. I mean, honestly, how much does this hurt Mike Hopkins and his chance of coming back next year? You know, I guess it just depends on how well they come out of this thing, right? I mean, the fact they haven't played would get, lead you to believe that they may struggle. I don't know who they've got after Seattle, but they got Utah Valley know. and then the Cougars. 
Oh, okay. Well, Cougars, that'll be that'll be tough. You know, I don't know that that the COVID situation itself and missing these these three weeks itself, you know, are going to impact him. But certainly, there is a potential for you know the ramifications to slow down their progress right, that's over it, yeah. the next few weeks, yeah. and then add losses. Uh, you know, if that's what you're talking about, add losses. And, and make it more difficult for him to, to come back. I don't know exactly what the bar is going to be for him to return. Yeah. Whether they got to be 500 or not. Um, but, you know, any, any obstacle is going to be difficult for them to, to overcome. They don't have a whole lot of margin for error. Well, the beginning of the season, when it comes to hoops, I mean, we're talking about the depth of this conference. And right now, at least if you look at the polls, there's no depth at all. It's basically just top-heavy with three teams in the top ten. How, how surprising is this first month of Pac-12 hoops? And is it good surprising because you have three top ten teams, or is it bad surprising because the, the middle looks a lot softer than we thought it was going to be? Yeah, no, it's probably both, right? I mean, Arizona and USC are a little bit better than expected, but there's – I mean, I'm not even sure there is a middle, to be honest. I mean, Colorado <laughs> – Wazoo's Washington a middle. State, Wazoo's a middle. They're a good team. It's a soft middle. Um, ah. It's a it's a real soft middle. I mean, right now there's three NCAA tournament teams, and that's that's it. And the problem is that there's so many bad losses at the bottom of the conference mm-hmm. that if you know Washington State or Colorado, those middle teams, if they lose games to the the bottom rung, it's going to kill their power ratings. So that you know, it's like a sinkhole threatening to devour the you know the rest of the oh, of the league that's so, graphic john Jeez. i'm not sure <laughs> uh, it could be a three-bid league unless somebody gets hot by the way speaking of sinkholes have you seen la brea on nbc with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I have not. Right. I mean, is it good? No, nah, it's dumb. Don't waste your time. I've seen about a billion I'm previews for it. That it's kind of like uh, lost. It way. is. It is. It's a. It's about. I mean, it's been out for months now. So whatever. But a, a big giant sinkhole opens up in California, and people fall into it, and they wake up in dinosaur land. <laughs> land of the lost. Like, I love it. Ten thousand years ago. Okay. Yeah. By the way, Wazoo is forty third in net ranking, John. Yeah, Wazoo's good right now, and UW is two hundred and twenty second. Holy yeah. cow! And I, and by the way, I'm with you. I'm I'm uh, and when I mention Hopkins and the COVID thing, I'm not saying Hopkins is in trouble directly because the team got COVID and had to stop playing. I'm saying that they're now three weeks behind whatever progress they would have made. You know, you would think this team would, I hope, get better and better as the year goes by, and they're just they just lost almost a month. No, you that you're you're spot on about that. No, no doubt. And have they not? I haven't been following super closely. Have has the whole team been off the practice court this whole time, or have some guys been able to work out? So No, they've been off the practice court. I texted somebody four days ago to ask if they're back, and I got no response. So I have no idea Whoa. if they're practicing it or not. Man, yeah, yeah. that's just, uh, just really unfortunate. I hope that none of the uh, 
cases have been serious, but yes, gosh, yeah. so unfortunate. Well, the word is they're all vaxxed, the entire team, so we'll see. But in the words of our boss, Purple Sheet here at KJR, not good. All right, 541. John, <laughs> great stuff, man. We'll talk in a week. Hey, see John. Ya. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. You bet. John Wilner with us. And when he's on next week, we're going to put him back on the spot for a Wilner's winner. All right? We're going to give him a couple weeks okay, to kind of reset. Good. And then we're going to bull pick from John coming up next week. Mike Benton is up at the 32 Bar and Grill in Northgate doing the pregame intermission postgame for the Kraken San Jose. He'll join us in the 6 o'clock hour right here on 950KJR on Kraken Game. Credit. Now back to Kraken Game Day with Softy and Dick. Brought to you by Smartsheet. What's hybrid work? It's having the people, the resources, and the total freedom to manage everything your way from wherever you are. And that's Smartsheet, the platform for dynamic work. All right, we got Kraken Sharks, baby. Pre-game 7 o'clock. They'll drop it at 7.30 in San Jose tonight. We should have had Niner Nate on the air talking about the Sharks. Niner Nate is also known as San Jose Sammy. Did you know that? I remember when the Sharks were in the playoffs oh, and he was God. freaking out. He is a he is a Niner Sharks Warriors. What else do they have down there in the Bay Area? And it's it's all San Francisco though. He's not an Oakland guy. Stanford football is he a Stanford football nut down there? Well, he worked for Stanford yeah. University. I, I worry that. a little bit about Niner Nate, don't you? Don't you? Don't you think that Niner Nate? And this is just between the three of us, so okay, don't don't, don't tell anybody we're talking about this. Don't you think that nine and eight is kind of one of those guys that you're fearful that you might read about for the wrong reasons, like later on in life? Like what kind of wrong? Twenty reasons? years from now, there's a lot of different things you could read about I for don't what know. kind of wrong reasons. You know, nine or eight, a zoo. <laughs> what? You know, is, what, what, and what, maybe, how? maybe a convenience store. I don't know, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Well, but you, you know? could go Come down on. so many different roads. I mean, well, you know what you I mean? A, you let a gorilla out of the you zoo, but he accidentally I, jumped into a, uh, yeah. a cage. Nine or eight was caught sleeping with the giraffes in the San Francisco Zoo. <laughs> I, no, I mean, he's just, he, his, his life is so much all about how those teams perform. He, yes. he, what he really needs is he needs a girlfriend, is what he needs. Well, he had one. He, well, he was married, he got divorced. Okay, no. so if anybody out there has a single, available, stable daughter, <laughs> stable, all right, that can handle him watching every Sharks okay. and every 49ers who has game, no problem dating somebody who will not pay attention to her whatsoever <laughs> and will focus instead his time on every minute of San Jose Shark hockey, Warrior basketball. Niner football. He sounds like a winner. Hey, okay? all right. Can you imagine what he was like during that? 49ers Bengals game on Sunday. Oh, brutal. Just brutal. Oh man. my god. I can't even imagine. Absolutely brutal. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, you have a daughter, which she's yes. 9, so forget about it now, yeah, but no, when, I would when, forget about it if right. she was 25. Well, I was going to say when she was <laughs> when she's when she's of age, would you let her allow her to be comfortable? I mean, she's 25, she can do whatever she damn well wants. I mean, he's harmless. Would he's you be okay harmless. with her dating 9 or 8? He's completely If Aubrey harmless. brought a guy like 9 or 8 home to your house and said, "Hey dad, bingo, here's my new boyfriend." What would your reaction uh, be? I would have I would have fun talking sports with him. <laughs> I would want to find out what his what his life plan is. That's what, that was that would be that would be my first if it got serious. I'd be like, "Hey, what's what's the life plan, man? What's the goal here?" Yeah, what's the goal right, here? One of our listeners what's is going to tweet Nate. <laughs> what's the end game? <laughs> what are you trying to be? But he is a sweetheart, so hey. I would not worry about oh, yeah. her dating him one one. No, day. he's he, I mean, he, look, he, he's a very nice guy. Yes. He's he's a gentleman, right? Yes. Says all the right things. Yes. I'm not saying that he's a creep. 
I, I just don't know what the goal is here. <laughs> you know? I mean, if this... If, Professional if, Niners sports fan. If we're talking that about, is the goal. Yes, if we're talking about a piece of clay... Right? What what are we trying to mold this thing into? <laughs> what do we want this clay to look like? So we got Kraken hockey tonight against San Jose. Uh, Mike Benton has already pulled a totally veteran move on this radio station. You know what that is? See what's that? He's talked the staff and the management here into allowing him to do his pregame, intermission, and postgame from the 32 Bar and Grill Solid up move. in Northgate where he lives 10 minutes away. And they have instead of food having to drive here, and they have a bar, which <laughs> we don't have a bar, and they have a full kitchen, which we don't have a kitchen. Well done, Mike. At this place, well I mean, done. what the hell, man? I've been I've been here for twenty five years, begging people to let me do my show from home, and this bastard shows up, and within six <laughs> minutes, he's doing his show from a bar ten minutes from his house. Well, he unbelievable. Just, you know, he, good for him. He comes in, he he commands respect. He's got some authority, and he pushes people around, but he does it in the right, in, a, in the nicest possible way. So, God bless him. Yeah, well, we're going to have him on uh, with us next segment. He'll join us. He's doing his pregame, intermission, postgame shows now for road games for a while, I think, from the 32 Bar and Grill up in Northgate. We'll check in with him and then get to pregame at 7 o'clock. Cracking Sharks from San Jose right here on 950. Sports Desk, your 950 KJR Sports Headlines. All righty, kiddos, headlines on a rainy, dark, windy, yeah, not good. scary, That's... freaky Tuesday night right here on 950 KJR. Brought to you, of course, by our friends at VenueKings.com. 3, 2, 1. Hey. Looking for tickets for the Kraken? Next home game coming up. VenueKings.com can take care of you. Be sure and use code Sophie at checkout for a little bit of a discount. Well, let's start in the NBA where history tonight was made in the Big Apple. Here's Curry for the record. Steph Curry with a NBA record made three-pointers. He passes Ray Allen 2,974. He does it in 511 less games, by the way, than Ray Allen did. And the Warriors right now, mid-third quarter, leading the Knicks 53-51. Brooklyn up on Toronto in Brooklyn, 76-70. Kevin Durant 15 with 7.15 to go in the third quarter in that game. The NFL requiring all players get their booster shot by December 27th to maintain vaccinated status, and the Rams stay alive in the West race with a win over the Cardinals. Nine and four now, just one game back. They get set to host the Hawks. Uh, let's see. What else we got? Uh, UW landing a transfer quarterback and Michael Penix Jr. from Indiana and Clay Millen, son of Hugh, transferring, leaving Nevada to go play for Jay Norvell at Colorado State. Chase Garber is also leaving Cal and declaring for the NFL draft. The Kraken with the first of a California back-to-back tonight. San Jose at 7.30. Pre-game with our good friend Mike Benton, who rules 950 KJR with an iron fist uh, at 7 o'clock. Tomorrow they face the Ducks in Anaheim, Seattle, with three players and a coach in COVID yep. protocol. All right, we got uh, Mike Benton joining us in a matter of minutes. Talking Kraken, getting ready for the game with the Sharks tonight in San Jose. This is Kraken Game Day. Brought to you by Smartsheet. What's hybrid work? It's having the people, the resources, and the total freedom to manage everything your way from wherever you are. And that's Smartsheet, the platform for dynamic work. Now with Kraken Game Day, here's Softy and Dick. All right, Kraken Game Day is officially underway. Hey, that rhymes. 
Uh, Sharks and Seattle coming up at 7.30 from San Jose. Uh, Kraken coming off the loss over the weekend to Winnipeg. So looking to get back in the win column tonight against a Sharks team that has lost three out of five. The Sharks are 15-12-1 overall. Kraken 9-15-3. Face off at 7.30. Pre-game at 7 o'clock. But Mike Benton will join us from the 32 Bar and Grill in Northgate in a matter of minutes. I saw where Jeff Baker was writing about how the Kraken are not playing well and thus they are blowing an opportunity to connect with fans this year. And I felt like, you know what? Maybe I'm reading the fan base wrong. I feel like most fans are just approaching 2021-22 as a big party mm-hmm. for hockey. And a lot of people, you know this, still have not had a chance yet to get to yeah. the new arena. And the more people get to the new arena, I think the more people will fall in love with it. I'm with you. I agree with you. And the fans stay in that arena. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fans stay. I've I've been to two games. One was a crack and win. The other one was a blowout in loss. Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. In Pittsburgh. Yeah. And nobody left. Right. Nobody left that puppy. They wanted to stay until the end, and we saw why the last home game, that 4-1 deficit get erased really hurry in a hurry so we can see big deficits get get uh, crushed in a hurry. Yep. So don't leave those games. You never know what's going to happen. Well, that, that Kraken game that Forsland talked about a couple weeks ago against Colorado when they were down, I think they were down 6 nothing after the second period. And he said he looked around the arena. They were down 7 nothing in the third, by the way, and nobody had left. Yeah. They were all there. And here's the reason why I think that's happening. Number one, it's still a novelty, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was the first time the Avalanche had been here ever. Right. And for a lot of people in the arena that night, I think it, there's a good chance it may have been one of their first NHL games they've ever been to, maybe their first Kraken game they've ever been to, maybe the first time they've been in that new arena. I think if you're losing 6 nothing after two periods in two years from now, I think a yeah. big majority of the arena might empty out. But I think for this year, if you're spending the money and you're putting in the effort to get into the car or take an Uber or take the train and you're seeing something for the very first time, I get the sense, and maybe I'm totally wrong on this, Dick. Maybe I'm out to lunch on this. I get the sense that a lot of people that are going to the arena to watch the Kraken play are there to experience the arena yes. and the sport and the team for the very first time. And that's time. how I felt both times, yeah. and I will continue to feel that way when I go this year. And now next year... Obviously, the expectations will be a little bit higher, even though there was a little bit for me coming into this with with no background on it. Right. There was a disconnect between the 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 resolution or the evaluation, rather, of their draft versus where their playoff prediction was. Mm -hmm. I saw a draft where most people were like, eh. They didn't really get a lot of offense. Their defense is pretty good. And then all of a sudden, a month Two months after the draft, everybody's like, well, they should make the playoffs this year. And I was like, well, how did that, how did we go from that draft to they should make the playoffs? Right. Yeah. I, 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 and I heard from a lot of folks that they should be a playoff team even before the draft started because they were basing that on what Vegas did, obviously, in their first year and what they got in the expansion draft. And then the expansion draft came along and a lot of folks were like, oh, look at that. They didn't get what I thought they would get. I remember there was a big conversation about Carey Price the goaltender from Montreal, mm-hmm. and I don't know how he's doing, if he's even back, but he had to check out for a while. because yeah, I don't was, think he is He was back. fighting some issues, man. He was having some problems, uh, I, th- I think, off the ice. So thank God that didn't happen. But, you know, one thing that obviously is a big question mark for Mike Benton when he comes on the air tonight is I, I don't think they've gotten what they want from the net, man. I mean, uh, uh, Grubauer, either A, because he's been playing too much, he's starting too much, 
Um, I think last year he started like 35 games in the COVID-shortened year, and that was the most ever for him. So he's going to be approaching uncharted territory. And then Chris Drieger, when he showed up, I think we all thought he was goalie number one, and then they signed Grubauer, and all of a sudden this guy's goalie number two, and he's not playing much. So I, I just get the feeling from an amateur eye that the biggest disappointment so far on this team has been what's happening in the net. Well, And their defense. It's but the the thing is, it's been the swings, right? I mean, Grubauer has looked like the best goalie in the league some games. And other games, he, he gets pulled. I mean, I was at a game, he got pulled after five minutes. Right. You know, so it's just, there's been no consistency there. And really, there's been no consistency from the team. They can beat anybody. We saw that, you know, but, you know blowing through... Edmonton blowing through Carolina, beating some of these great teams, and then they're dropping games to terrible teams. So yeah, yeah. it's so different than what we're used to from the Seahawks, right? No, because sorry. from the Seahawks for a decade, you kind of knew what you're going to expect. You knew they were going to play a close-to-the-vest game. They were probably going to win in the end, but they were going to make you sweat for 60 minutes in order to get there. The Kraken, I mean, they could be, they could win by five. They could lose yeah, by five to yeah. anybody. Yeah, I, I just think that the lack of scoring was – Probably something that we saw coming, to be honest yeah. with you, especially after seeing that expansion draft. But I, I think we all thought they'd be a little bit better in the net, and that hasn't turned out for, again, maybe reasons that are out of you know guys' control. Injury to Drieger obviously has not helped anybody. Yeah. Grubauer playing too much hasn't helped anybody. But, you know, Dave Haxtall was the guy that came over from Philadelphia after he got fired. He was with Toronto. He was an assistant, but he got fired by Philadelphia. And, you know, look, there's a reason why the guy was available, right? There's a reason why he was available to come coach the Kraken. So I I think because of his history and the way things have gone for him in the NHL, he needs to start maybe showing to people that he he can kind of get control of this thing. And unless you want to just simply say, and we had this debate on Twitter about a month ago, that, hey, they're an expansion team. Nothing that Hackstall does in year one matters. The talent's not there. The roster's not very good. Mm -hmm. Forget about it. But then if you have that take, like you said, you can't be the same guy that says they should have been a playoff team when the year began. Right. And then just completely dismiss any responsibility from anybody as the year goes on. COVID has hit them, obviously, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, this year for me has been really just about having a winter sport, getting the NBA back in that building, going there and seeing what the arena is all about. I know it's easy for a lot of guys in the media like us to sit here and tell you how great the arena is, but man, it is awesome. <laughs> and it is totally different than what it looked like before. I remember going into Key Arena in 96 and then going to Chicago for the finals that year thinking, man, the United Center blows us out of the water. Yep. This place was built with some foresight. All right, here he is joining us from the 32 Bar and Grill in Northgate, your pregame intermission and postgame host for the Kraken Audio Network. It's our friend Michael Benton. How are you, pal? Can I get that same kind of uh, voice inflection each and every time I come back on the air with you, Saki? Yeah, I do not know. We will find out tonight at 7 o'clock when you take the that mic from Northgate for the pregame before the San Jose Sharks and the Seattle Kraken. What are you doing? What are you doing up there? What's going on? You know what? You're a genius. You've been here for like three months, and you already talk management into letting you host your show from a bar that's (laughs) ten minutes away from your house. How did you pull that off? Don't be jealous now, Softy. Don't be jealous. I'm very jealous. I can't. I I can't wait to get this going. This is a one of a kind setup. You guys have been out here before. Obviously, we've already got people flowing here through the building sitting down, getting a bite to eat. I had about a couple of bites of a grilled chicken sandwich for here before I got uh, 
the much-awaited phone call uh, from you guys to uh, get this conversation going. So it's going to be a lot of fun tonight and tomorrow night, and we'll see how far we can go with this. But uh, I've got uh, a lot of great um, things, I think, in store in my mind that we can really do with this kind of setup and bring the life of crack and hockey. Though we're on the road, here to the airwaves in front of the people in a, a great setting like this. Well, Mike, let's talk about what, what Softy and I were discussing a, a few moments ago, and that is this frightening, terrifying, yet exhilarating roller coaster ride that is this hockey team this year. Because, I mean, they look awesome at times, and they look terrible at times. I mean, is this just what we're going to see all year long, or are we going to settle into some normalcy here in January, February, and March? I think the most important thing here, Dick, is that we have got to get out of our heads if it really is there for some people. And I think stop comparing this to the Vegas Golden Knights because, I mean, they were just an outlier, and I've said this over and over and over. This is a team that's building from scratch, and it's not just an arena. It's not just a practice ring. This is about human beings who play this game. And, you know, whether you really you, you realize it or not, it takes advanced communication skills to play this game and do it at a high level, like teams, for instance, Pittsburgh for many, many years here, like teams most recently with Edmonton and starting from scratch. So if you really look back at the numbers in comparison to, say, what Minnesota did, Columbus did, uh, you know, even I would say the Mighty Ducks, now the Anaheim Ducks back in the day, uh, it's very comparable to what the Kraken are experiencing in year one. You're going to have some highs, but, again, it's a lot of growth patterns this team is going through right now. And I think, again, I say it over and over, patience is going to be the big key because they have a lot of space here to build and grow grow with, whether it might be what you spend with what you can do with your salary cap space to what you got next season potentially in a second overall pick and Matty Beniers is over at Michigan. Well, let me ask you this because uh, at times I look like they're, it looks like they're a little bit maybe dysfunctional. And maybe that's what you have when you have a hockey team that's played, you know, what, 27, 28 games together. Like the last goal over the weekend against Winnipeg by Kyle Connor, right near the Kraken bench. It just looked like something broke down. Either A, there was a problem with the line change, or B, guys just weren't paying attention. But things like that specifically, I see those things and I wonder what is going on out there. Well, and I think that Winnipeg game was maybe, I think, a case study in what happens when, uh, you know, you're not really, I think, you know, getting pucks toward the inside against a big, brawny, and physical team, and you're left chasing games uh, after a while. And eventually, even though down one nothing, that third period caught up to them. I do like the way that they responded against the Columbus Blue Jackets this last Saturday. Previously, when they trailed after two periods, their record was 0 and 11. Wow. 0 and 11. They were down 4 to 1, and they found a way to chip away and eventually tie the game. Granted, yeah, they didn't win the game. They lost in overtime, but when you get to overtime, you at least get a standings point. There was some sliver of consolation, if you will, for battling back and finding a way to at least squeak out a point and give themselves a chance, and that was what they did. And so, even though head coach Dave Haxall doesn't believe maybe in the word momentum and how it can carry over. You know, he did allude to this morning and the fact that you do have habits that you've built on when you're looking to, you know, put together a resilient effort and carry that over into the next game. 
Kraken studio host Mike Benton joining us here on 950 KJR ahead of uh, Kraken and Sharks tonight. I want to go back to something you said a, a few moments minutes ago about Vegas, and, and we shouldn't be held to the Vegas standard. I totally agree with that, and I think we were kind of warned that before the year. But we were also told... After kind of a lackluster draft, I think most experts were like, eh, it was okay. We were told after that, after all the free agency was done, that this team should be expected to be in the playoffs. So how did we get there? How did we get from med draft to this team should be in the playoffs, and why haven't they, have they fallen short of that expectation? Well, a good question, Dick, and I go back to what people were projecting out of this team heading into the regular season where it was going to be a team that had to rely on offense by committee. They weren't going to come at you like the 80s Oilers or even now the, the Oilers up today with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and threatened to rack up five or six goals on you by the end of the night. Defense and goaltending was going to be their calling card. Now, that being said, Metrics-wise, uh, metrics back on defense, they have been fantastic. They have uh, done a great job of, for the most part, of trying to keep high-danger chances away from their goaltending. Uh, I think if you were to ask Philip Grubauer and Chris Drieger, uh, so far for the first uh, two months plus of the season, not exactly gone to script. Uh, there have been a few goals that uh, Grubauer has let in that he would want to have back by the end of the night. Chris Drieger has had a lot of bumps in the road so far as trying to stay healthy, and they finally have been back this evening as far as him being side-by-side with Grubauer fresh off the IR. So he looked great his last time out getting a first-star effort, and that went over a pretty good Florida team. Then the very next game, two nights later, good enough to get a win against Buffalo when he got some run support, and the Kraken put up seven goals against the Sabres team. That has just been struggling all year long. So if they can finally get some help on their side, along with some things that we're hearing may be that Grubauer, a classic case of a goaltender who's now switching systems, switching teams, and it takes a while for him to really get locked into communication and a lot of those um, items that come with cohesiveness, you'll see this may be turned around. So, you know, I, I totally buy in here to the theory that, you know, usually we see teams by Thanksgiving, we know who they are, in this case, more so toward Christmas yeah. because the season started late. So we're getting there. We're not there yet, but it's getting close. And the Kraken certainly know that if they want to get back into the playoff picture, they're going to have to start chipping away at this thing. And they got a pretty good chance starting tonight with three games back-to-back-to-back in their own division. All right, uh, Mike Benton is with us uh, before San Jose and the Kraken coming up tonight uh, in San Jose. The Sharks, of course, 15-12-1 behind Vegas, but ahead of L.A. in the Pacific Division. Uh, Give us a primer on San Jose tonight, and then I want to ask you, too, about Saturday night, man. I'm going to go Saturday night because I'm going to watch Connor McDavid play, uh, the best player in the world. VenueKings.com has tickets for 110 bucks, by the way, on their website, but give us a quick preview of what's to come. It is Eric Carlson finally, Michael, living up to his crazy contract he signed a couple years ago. Oh, boy. Eric Carlson needed a year like this, and he's playing some pretty good hockey right now as far as what he can do. I look at the Sharks. They're a surprise team for me, not maybe as big of a surprise, say, as the Anaheim Ducks, who are now leading the Pacific Division, and they're going to be pretty tough tomorrow night. But the Sharks are getting it done because they're getting production out of Timo Meyer. They're getting production out of Tomas Hurdle's got 14 goals. Look out for his name. He's in a contract year, and he could be a free agent this next summer. And then I look at as well, 
getting James Reimer and seeing him play at the level he has played in net has made a big difference. 33 years of age, a journeyman goaltender about 12 years ago, he's trying to break in, won a championship in the East Coast Hockey League, and just recently now surpassed 400 games at the NHL level. He is tied for first in the league in state percentage, and at 33 years of age, he's found the fountain of youth. So if they can find a way to get a puck past him quick, and Big San Jose chase the game, that's going to be so important. Mike, you're the man. Go enjoy yourself. you got some time to hit the bar, grab some dinner. You're back on the air at 7 o'clock, uh, face-off at 7.30 from San Jose. Kraken and the Sharks, and Mike is up at the 32-bar and grill tonight for pregame, intermission, and postgame. Have fun, buddy. We'll talk soon. Thanks, pal. Thanks, man. I can't, I can't wait, guys. Thank you. You got it. All right, we're going to break. Uh, Christian Capel is going to join us coming up next on the radio show. The Michael Penix Jr. transfer from Indiana to UW. How much does that upgrade the UW quarterback room? Signing day, uh, version number one, uh, part A, is tomorrow, by the way. So we'll talk to Christian about all that. What about the coaching staff? Still waiting to hear on a DC. Christian Capel from The Athletic joining us next right here on KJ. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.